Pass First point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, we're talking about putting some respect on Damian Lillard's name, CJ McCollum's broken back, and where the Blazers stand with one game left in the Disney World seeding games. So let's talk a little bit about putting respect on your man's name. You know how you earn respect? You put up 61 points, 8 assists, 5 boards, you hit 9 threes, you make 18 of 18 free throws, score 22 points in the fourth quarter, and you deliver the Blazers from the brink of playoff, not extinction, but certainly trouble, and push them into sole possession of 8th place with one game left. That's right, Damian Lamont Ollie Lillard added to the legend today. 61 points matching his own franchise high, becoming just the second player in NBA history to have three 60-point games in a season. Matching Wilt Chamberlain. If you score a bunch of points, you're going to be on list with Wilt Chamberlain. And if you were on list with Wilt Chamberlain about scoring points, it means you did it a lot. Damon Wilt, three 60-point games. Nobody else. I have said on this podcast many times that I believe Damian Lillard, when he retires, will be the best Blazer of all time. And that right now it's Clyde Drexler, but it'll eventually be Dame. And I know that fighting for the eighth seed in the playoffs maybe doesn't illustrate the point of Dame being better than than Clyde in the way that, that you would hope, but scoring 112 points to rescue a otherwise faulty roster from missing out on the playoffs and back-to-back games. This is the stuff of legends. Uh, I write for NBC Sports Northwest. Uh, You can find my articles there. Just go to, uh, you know, search Mike Richmond, NBC Sports Northwest. Find my author page, bookmark it, read what I write. But after the games, they ask me to uh, do like a two-sentence or three-sentence rapid reaction you know they just they can post they can post like all the reporters thoughts when when the game ends so it's it's not supposed to be like a full recap but just kind of like condensed thoughts on the game and and what i wrote tonight is that it is a pleasure to watch damian lillard and that's how i felt in this game blazers couldn't stop the dallas mavericks could not stop them but it didn't matter because dame kept scoring 22 in the fourth quarter, 61 in the game. After Yusuf Nurkic fouled out with three minutes left, the Blazers looked like they were legitimately in trouble. Nurk wasn't great in this game. In fact, Hassan Whiteside was better than him. Hassan deserves props. He played really well. I I would argue this is probably his best game of the most meaningful, impactful game of, of the restart. But Nurk fouls out with just over three minutes left, and the Blazers are down three and looking like they're going to be in trouble. And Lillard drains a step back to tie the game at 124. And then uh, the Blazers just can't stop anyone. They give up another bucket. And what does Dame do? He navigates a double team, swings the ball in the corner, finds Carmelo Anthony, cash, tie ball game. And again, the Blazers can't stop anyone. The Mavericks score again. It's like every, basically for the last four minutes, every team scored in every possession. And Dame was the chess master for the Blazers. He was the guy, he was just manipulating the defense. He was he was making it happen. So, of course, the Mavericks go down and score again. Porzingis hit a three. What does Dame do? Cash, three, 
tie it at 130 with 90 seconds left. He's got 61. The following possession when after the Blazers come away with a miracle stop because Damian Lillard drew a charge. And maybe a little bit of a flop, but you hit a three to tie the game. You hit a three, tie the game. They score. You set up a three out of a double team to tie the game. You hit another three to tie the game, and then you draw an offensive foul to get the ball back when your team desperately couldn't get a stop. This is legendary stuff. What does Dame do? He gets down the left side of the paint, throws a nice little bounce pass to Whiteside for a dunk to put the Blazers up two. Mavs don't score. CJ McCollum hits two free throws. Mavs can't hit the game tying three. Buzzer sounds. Damian Lillard turns to the TNT cameras, turns over to the media side of the court away from the benches and says, put some effing respect on my name. Now, was this in reference to known troll and absolute idiot Skip Bayless, who had been talking about Damian Lillard not being clutch on his whatever the hell his television program is called and also on Twitter.com? Was this in response to known pest Patrick Beverly and upset man Paul George? Poor Paul George. Perfectly good player. Uh, you know, Damian Lillard lit his ass up and, and he has to live with that forever. But was it, was it in response to either of those two Clippers? I don't know. And Dame didn't say afterwards. He wasn't specific, but he did yell, put some fucking respect on my name. And y'all, we got to respect him. Like I said to my colleagues at NBC, it is a pleasure to watch him. This Blazers last couple games hasn't been super clean, but it has been a testament to how special Damian Lillard is. So if you are thinking about all-time greats and where they rank, remember these moments. This is truly weird. In the middle of the of a pandemic, in a arena with no fans, in a battle for the last playoff spot, Damian Lewis scores 61 points and they needed every single one of them. Now the Dallas Mavericks maybe should have double team your boy, but they didn't. So what did Dame do? He gave him 61. This was a legendary night, a legendary night in strange circumstances, a legendary night that is not, doesn't live up to the nights that he's had in the playoffs against Houston in 2014 or last season against OKC. It's not that. It's not what it's not what we saw tonight, but what we saw was another chapter in a dude's legendary story. So put some respect on his name. You are watching the best blazer of all time. Even if you don't think so, you will in 10 years. And this game will make the highlight tape and you'll say, "Oh yeah, he was nuts." I gave you that little mini recap of the final three minutes, but the moment you'll remember, or the moment if you haven't seen it, that you'll that you will see. Blazers are down three, clock ticking under ninety seconds, about a minute twenty-five left when he lets the shot go. But possession kind of stalls. Mello kicks it back to Dame near the top of the key, just left of the top of the key. He's like ten feet beyond the arc, and for normal people, this is not something you should do. But instead of trying to get closer, Dame jabs once and then lets a shot go over Dorian Finney-Smith. It hits the back rim. It hangs high off the back rim, maybe 10 feet, 15 feet over, over the basket, like way the hell out of the television picture that I'm watching. Then it bounces back through clean, tie ball game at, at 130. 
Dame's got 61. Carmelo Anthony said after the game that I knew from that point we were destined to win. And that's kind of what this felt like. Put some respect on his name. This was a special moment. It is a weird moment and like not a game that if they lost, they would have missed out on the playoffs. We'll talk about that in the third segment a little bit. But it doesn't feel as special as the other games. But this night, I'm telling you, you will remember this weird night in the bubble when Dame had 61 and the Mavericks couldn't guard him. And he said, put some respect on his effing name. The dude is just the best point guard in the league, and this was another reminder of it. It is a pleasure to watch Damian Lillard. I have said on this podcast plenty of times that I'm not really a Blazer fan. I don't I don't have much emotional connection to the team. But I watching this game, watching this game unfold, boy, did I feel lucky to get to watch Damian Lillard and make a small amount of money writing and talking about it. The man's game is a joy. It would be a joy to do it for free. It is quite a privilege to call this part of my job. So thanks, Dame. I'll put some respect on your name and encourage others to do so as well. One of the reasons that Dame had to be so special, though, on Tuesday night against the Dallas Mavericks is because his running mate, C.J. McCollum, has a serious injury, or at least an injury that seems to be seriously limiting him. He's got a broken back. Yeah, a broken back. So we'll talk about in the second segment, C.J. McCollum's vertebrae and uh, what that means for the Blazers. But before we get there, I want to tell y'all about Axios. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios today hosts Nyla Boodoo, and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Show's also brought to you today by MyBookie. Y'all say it with me now, sports are back. And now that they are, it's time to get on the fun with my bookie. You'll love it. And that alone should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams. With Major League Baseball back and the NBA playoffs just around the corner, there's never been a better time to start playing. And with my bookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the playoffs even begin. Well before they even begin, in fact. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future. That means you can bet on the NBA. You might be a fan of that. The NHL or even the NFL before their season kicks off. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. And there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today, and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%. All you got to do is enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at MyBookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. All right. So you've had enough time to put some respect on Damian Lillard's name. Hopefully you have. You've had your moment to put some respect on the man's name, whatever that means to you. You are currently, while listening to segment number two of today's podcast, neither doubting nor speaking down to a Mr. Damian Lamont Ollie Lillard. The Blazers are going to need him to continue to be a hero. He looks capable of it. And one of the reasons they're going to need for him to continue to be a hero is because CJ McCollum has a fractured vertebrae. Does that sound like a big deal to you? Because I am not a doctor and it sounds like a very big deal to me. 
This news comes to us via Dwight Janes of NBC Sports Northwest. Janes reported shortly after the game ended that CJ McCollum has been playing with an L3 vertebral transverse process fracture and in parentheses non-displaced. Now, I don't know what that means, but I know that it means he has a fracture in his lower back. If you are a doctor, maybe you maybe you have a better understanding of what a L3 vertebral transverse process fracture non-displaced means. But to me, it means the dude has a vertebrae in his lower back and it's fractured. And he reportedly, according to Janes, has been dealing with this over the last three games. That sounds like bad news. And on, quite frankly, on Tuesday night against the Dallas Mavericks, CJ McCollum played like someone believably with a broken back. Two for 14 from the floor, one for five from three. A absolutely uh, kind of unknowable minus 25 in the, in the plus minus in a game that was decided by three points. Single game plus minus is, is stupid. Um, I, I don't particularly care for the stat, but you get outscored by 25 points while McCollum is on the floor and win a game by three. That's, that is quite a game. So according to James's report, CJ would have hurt his back against the Los Angeles Clippers on Saturday. In that game, he went 11 for 21 from the floor. He finished with 29 points. He was pretty good. He played, you know, they... They couldn't score down the stretch, but it wasn't CJ's fault necessarily. He had six of 13 threes. This was just, this was good CJ, 29 and eight, four boards. Played 39 minutes the next night against, against Philly or the next afternoon, I should say. I guess it was evening in, in Orlando, but it was afternoon here. Uh, you know, he played 40 minutes against Clippers, played 40 minutes against the Sixers the very next night on the same injured back, seven of 17. Wasn't particularly good. 16 points in that game. Didn't get to the free throw line. Did have seven rebounds. Um, but he was not the the ace that the Blazers needed. I mean, he was not. He was clearly not the the second running mate. And again, and then like I said, against the Mavericks, eight points on two for fourteen shooting. And he just he missed shots he can make. He had um, missed some really good looks at three. Missed a couple little runners. Here's the curious thing about the whole injury news. One, it comes out after he had a dud of a game, which the timing to me seems like the person who is leaking this news, the source um, is, is offering CJ an excuse. Um, if we assume that it is not CJ who is offering this excuse, he did not speak to the media. The me- media availability is really weird in the bubble. They bring guys over to a zoom interview. You can't request them. They tell you who you're getting. So you weren't, weren't getting CJ. You don't get to talk to anyone who has a bad game, um, which is like shitty for journalists. Pardon my language, but it is. Uh, but so, you know, we, we don't hear it from him. He's not on the injury report. Uh, But if we assume CJ is not the one providing this information, if he's not the source of this information, it seems weird that someone else is providing an excuse for CJ McCollum that he's not making for himself. That seems whack to me. Um, If CJ wanted to say, yo, my back is busted, that's why I'm playing poorly, then that's, you know, that's his prerogative. But for whoever it might be to leak this information, it seems like an unnecessary excuse made on the behalf of someone who is a grown adult man playing a very difficult sport. 
He should be able to decide whether he discloses his personal physical information and he has, you know, public opportunities to do so at various media availability times. But regardless of my beef with how this news came out and the timing of the news, which seemed a little bit curious to me, it's good reporting because it gives us it gives us something to understand about CJ's struggles. He has not been very good since that Clipper game. He was bad against the Sixers. He was extremely bad against the Dallas Mavericks. Blazers don't win that game against the Mavericks without, obviously, Dame 61, but Carmelo Anthony was really good. Hassan Whiteside had really positive minutes. They don't win those games without, they need, he even if Dame scores 61, he needs a little bit of help. Carmelo Anthony's 26 was huge, and his just individual offense was huge. Um, Dame's not going to score 100. He's very similar to Wilt Chamberlain, but he's not going to put up a 100. Half a 100, though, seems to be what he's he's very, very capable of, right? So what, do we, what does this mean for CJ McCall? That, I guess that's the question, right? It's like, where do we go from here with this news? And uh, Jeff Stotts, who writes about NBA injuries on his website, In Street Clothes, wrote about when Mike Conley had a similar injury and he missed six weeks. It's not a surgical thing. It was just rest, get your back right, come back and play. CJ McCollum doesn't have six weeks. CJ McCollum also isn't on the injury report and he's not sitting out. So we might, we, I don't know if we have like the total details and severity of the injury. I assume CJ McCollum will talk to the media potentially Wednesday, like the day this podcast goes up. So maybe look for that and we'll, we'll report more on that in our, our next episode. But as of right now, we don't really know the severity or exactly what CJ is dealing with. Cause like I said, he didn't speak to the media, but if, if a previous NBA player has had to sit out six weeks, it doesn't bode well for CJ, but CJ's not sitting out. He played 39 minutes the next night after the injury. He played another 35 tonight. Excuse me, 39 tonight. Yeah, he's just he's still going to play his full 40-minute game. Dude is just playing through it. So res- put some respect on his name for playing through what is probably a really brutal injury. But I guess all of this is to say is that this doesn't sound like the type of thing that would end his season in the near term because he would have to go get surgery or maybe require surgery in the offseason. It's going to be a short offseason, all those things. But it does seem like a thing that is going to linger and going to be an issue for him as long as the Blazers season goes on. Damian Lord said that, you know, CJ's not making excuses and he's 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 a little beat up, but he's playing through it. And Carmelo Anthony also acknowledged these are the two guys we got in in uh in the postgame media. So here's who I can quote about it. And you know Stotts is gonna say shit about it. So it's just Damon Carmelo who are who are left to be our their spokespersons for CJ McCollum's body. But Melo said the same thing is that CJ is he's beat up, team knows he's beat up, and they're 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 proud of him for playing through it. Doesn't seem like this is a thing that's going to get better, but it does kind of explain a lot about how CJ is playing, like just in the box score. And you got to have respect for a dude who is willing to go out there and play in the most important games of the Blazers season and not personally say anything about it. He's not making excuses. He's not making his injury public. Someone else chose to do that. At least that's my assumption. Um, CJ doesn't seem like the person who would give an anonymous tip, right? Like, why would CJ be the source? I guess is what I'm saying. So respect to CJ. This is not a thing that's going to go away, and this is a this is going to be a difficult thing for him to deal with. The Blazers are going to need another number two. If there was ever a time for Gary Trent Jr. to prove what a lot of y'all have been saying, that he could be a replacement for CJ McCollum, 
have Gary go ahead and do that now because the Blazers are going to need his help. Hope CJ doesn't get further injured. Hope this is a a thing that with a little bit of time off in the offseason that his back will come back and get right. But for now, it sounds like he's going to have to play through, if not a significant amount of pain. We don't know how much pain he's in. we got to assume it's a bunch. But at least an injury that sounds really tough. A low back fracture. My goodness. Put some respect on his name, too. As long as we're putting respect on people's name, we're doing it. For both everyone in the backcourt, put some respect on their name. All right. In the third segment, let's let's talk about the Blazers, what they got left at Disney World. They have one seeding game remaining. They're in eighth place, but there's a lot riding on what happens Thursday, and that will have implications for what happens in the remainder of the weekend. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked On Blazers. Talked about Damian Lillard's heroics. A legendary night, albeit in weird circumstances. We talked about CJ McCollum's back. A troubling issue for the Blazers' second best scorer. But now let's talk about where the team stands. They got one game left. Thursday night against the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the Nets are locked in. They are the seventh seed in the East regardless of the outcome on Thursday. They have no reason to play their starters, but here's the problem. The Nets don't have any starters. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant didn't come to the bubble. Wilson Chandler, DeAndre Jordan opted out along with Spencer Dinwiddie. So the Nets are already playing the back half of their roster and dudes like Jamal Crawford who they signed off the street. And even on Tuesday night, the Nets rested Pretty much everyone else on the roster, right? Jared Allen, their starting center. Joe Harris, their sweet shooting wing. Karis LeVert, their best player. Garrett Temple, their best veteran. And they still manage to win. So even if the Nets do rest people, then it ain't over. But the Nets have nothing to play for. Guess who does? Your Portland Trailblazers. And here is the very basic math. If Portland wins, they are the eighth seed. That's it. You beat the Brooklyn Nets, you are the eighth seed. You don't have to do any other hard math by virtue of winning on Sunday and this heroic win over the Dallas Mavericks. The Blazers are in the driver's seat. I say heroic because it was uh, came down to the final minutes and it was very impressive. Blazers still didn't stop anyone on defense. They've got real problems, but they also have the best point guard in the league, and that combination made it pretty heroic and makes for them controlling their own destiny. If they beat Brooklyn, they're in. You don't need to look up any crazy scenarios if the Blazers win because they're in. They're eighth, which means that they head into the final weekend. They'll be in a play-in tournament. There's going to be one, but the, and the Blazers will be the eighth seed, and they will they would have to lose twice to the ninth seed. Only beat the ninth seed once, but it's a double elimination scenario for nine, single elimination scenario for eight. That's it. That's all you got to do. So the Blazers are in control and can grab the eighth seed. Who are they likely to play? Well, it seems like the Memphis Grizzlies are still relatively likely to be the ones. Because if the Grizzlies win in their game against the Milwaukee Bucks, who are likely to be out with Giannis, without Giannis Antetokounmpo and may rest others. But it sounds like the from what Mike Budenholzer said, the Bucks coach today, that so, at least some of the regulars are going to play. 
So Memphis might not have an easy game, but if Memphis wins, if they beat the Bucs, they're in. If Memphis loses, they can still make the playoffs if both the Suns and the Spurs lose their final games. However, it is relatively unlikely that the Suns, 7-0 in the bubble, the undefeated Suns, will lose because by virtue of the Blazers beating the Mavericks, the Mavericks are locked into seeding. Uh, that means that they're probably going to rest everyone in their final game against Phoenix. So the Suns are very likely to go 8-0, but Phoenix needs help. They would need one or one of... Portland or Memphis to lose and they could actually end up eighth if both of them lose but uh, they need they need a little help they do not control their destiny only Memphis and Portland do the Spurs they're the farthest team out um, they're going to play against the Utah Jazz who are likely going to rest everyone because they can't drop any further um, so we're just going to see the whatever the Jazz G League team against the Spurs in the final game. Um, but the Spurs, even with a win, they do not extend their 23-year playoff streak, uh, consecutive playoff streak. They need some help. They would also need at least two losses by the other three teams involved. They would need Memphis, some combination of two losses from Memphis, Phoenix, and Portland. Seems unlikely. Seems like maybe one of those teams will lose and that one team will be the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> With all due respect. But uh, it, it seems like the Spurs are on the outside. They're, they have the toughest task. So I think what this means is that the Blazers are... V- if the Blazers win, let's assume they win. Let's assume that Dame scores. So he scored 51, 61. Let's assume Dame scores 71 against the Brooklyn Nets and the Blazers win. And it's heroic. And the, the Blazers like still can't stop anyone. They win this game 156 to 152. And it's a miracle. And you you put some respect on everyone's name. If the Blazers, get, if the Blazers are in, they're going to be eighth. Likely to face the Grizzlies unless the Grizzlies don't beat the Bucks or the Suns. I'd say those are your Grizzlies' slightly higher chance of getting there than the Suns because they control their own destiny. But those are your, your likely opponents. It doesn't seem like it'll be the Spurs. seems like it'll be Memphis or Phoenix, and that game would happen on Saturday, the first of the, of the play-in tournaments, play-in games. If the Blazers win, they're in the playoffs. If they lose, they play Sunday in a winner-take-all game on Sunday. Should be a lot of fun. The Blazers control their own destiny. Win, you're in, you're eighth. Eighth is a significant advantage. If you lose, if they lose, it's not totally over for them. It's not super simple. Um, if the Blazers do lose to the Nets, if Dame scores 71, but the Blazers, but the Blazers don't beat the Nets, they would need two losses from the other three teams. So some combination of Memphis, Phoenix, and San Antonio would need to lose twice. The math gets much trickier. But here's the thing: by the time the Blazers tip off, it's a TNT broadcast. Um, it's like the quote-unquote West Coast game. It's the late game um, on TNT's broadcast. So the Blazers will know where they stand. Um, they'll always win and you're in, but they will know if they can lose and still, uh, get into ninth. They'll, the math will be right there laid out in front of them by tip off. They'll know what's up. Cannot overstate how important Damian Lillard's game against Dallas was that put them in the driver's seat, put them in control of their own destiny. When after Saturday's loss of the Clippers, it looks like it looks like it might be out of their hands. It was a special moment. Put some respect on his name. 
put some respect on CJ McCollum's back and put some respect on this podcast because that's the end of the show. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.